Okay. Hey Manuel, how are you? Welcome to Mahindra podcast. Tell me about yourself. Hi Mahindra, thank you for inviting me. Um well, I am a PhD student here at Purdue. Uh I come from Mexico. I originally did my my bachelor and my masters over there. Uh through my um studies I have been focusing on on cyber physical systems. First I started with real-time hybrid simulation, which is a way of cyber physical testing. Uh but now I am going towards what we call digital twins, which is what we are going to talk about today. Hmm. Um well, I don't know if you want me to introduce what digital twins are. Yeah. So let's talk about digital twins. What are digital twins? From the name it appears there is a digital phenomena into it and you are twinning something. Can you elaborate it more and how this could be application it kind find application in engineering and technology? Exactly as you said, well, it of course has a digital component on it. Um and and twinning it means that it has a counterpart. So what the digital twin is is it's a virtual replica of something that we have physically in in the existence, right? In the in the physical world. So a digital twin is basically a copy or a model uh that fits with data coming from the from a physical device. For instance, let's say that we have some sort of physical experiment going on. Uh, I will use one of as example one of the experiments we have actually doing in at Purdue here at Purdue at our lab which is a, a pressurized box uh so we have a pressurized box that has a lot of temperature and pressure sensors we can develop a model a physics based model that uh, represents the behavior of that pressurized box and if we fit it in real time with the sensors that we have with pressure regulators for, um thermocouples etc we can then have a digital twin which is a uh, a replica in the virtual world that replicates exactly what the physical part is doing um okay. why to do so well because we can monitor it we can control it we can do several things with it using that digital replica as a means to predict the behavior or uh, just estimating the, the current behavior uh, etc it has a lot of applications okay so one application i can think of is like since you are working on cyber physical testing or cyber physical systems what i can think of is like there are some physical system which cannot be available right now for example if you are building space habitats you can't go into the space and do activity and you can do test i think it finds application where you can't go and you can mimic that cyber cyber uh, fi- means like you can have the cyber component in the computer so that you can replicate that issue is it am i right or yeah you're you're totally correct and yeah. actually that falls in a in a special category of hmm. cyber physical system or a digital twin that is is uh, cyber physical testing or real time hybrid simulation hmm. what we do there is that we model in a numerical way or a cyber way or a virtual way uh the things we cannot achieve you mentioned correctly for example the a lunar habitat or a martian habitat but we can also do it to to simulate the behaviors of thing we we don't want to pay for for example in civil engineering or in structural engineering uh the shaking table tests are very famous are very popular but it implies building a complete structure that you you have to build like a whole building and test it in a shaking table and that's expensive and it takes time So with the help of cyber physical testing or RTHS instead of having to build the complete thing uh you can just simulate it numerically and having in the physical world and to and have in the physical world only the parts or the component you are concerned with for example if you are testing a novel material for a column or for a bin or for whatever you can only have that side in the in the physical world and all the the numerical part uh will represent the simulation of the complete system and that saves you money saves you time um saves you space uh and in the case of lunar habitats for example of course we cannot have here in the earth the pressurized the, the pressurized atmosphere of the of the moon or the 
extreme temperature variations that we have, or, or that will be something very complicated to simulate in the laboratory. So we create a virtual replica for all those conditions and apply them to a physical thing that we can to, we want test here in, in mm-hmm. the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you were talking about the interaction. So there will be a physical system, there will be a cyber system, and we should mimic the interaction properly so that we can achieve what we cannot be able to in real life. But I think there are some issues related to, like definitely doing a real test or a full-scale test is very essential. means like that will be the end goal. However, we are starting from somewhere and with a scaled-down approach, we are at a lower scale, then we will scale up. But how to solve this unknown, unknown kinds of a scenario? Like whatever physical systems we have or a cyber system we have, it's coming from our limited knowledge of something. For example, in space, I don't know how much years of knowledge we have on space, maybe 50 years. Mm -hmm. What happens if there are issues which we haven't seen that doesn't represent in our cyber system? So that may be an issue which needs proper understanding on the ground, how to solve this unknown, unknown kind of scenario, the things which we don't know and we actually don't know how to solve them as well, I think. That's actually a, a very hot topic in, in cyber physical testing in, in digital twins. How to validate that mm-hmm. what we are doing in the laboratory is actually representing the reality. If, mm-hmm. we, if we are studying something that is unknown, mm-hmm. um, typically in at least in, in structural engineering, the approach is to to physically model the part that is unknown. Like well, not model, they have to physically build the part that is unknown because you are investigating the, the behavior. So for instance, uh, there was a huge trend years ago with magnetoreological dampers and, and with nonlinear devices for dissipation of seismic energy. And we didn't know the, their behavior. So what people doing RTHS did was to uh, model those things in, in, a, in a physical way. Well, well they, they build the, the physical components and test them to, to investigate the behavior which was unknown. And the numerical part was something that was very well known, like mm. a complete building of steel. And we we know the the, the laws that govern that um, that behavior for at least two hundred years now. Newton's yeah. law. Uh, so we do that. We rely on on the numerical part for for modeling what we know. But the new challenge here, as you mentioned, is now. If we are going to model numerically something we cannot achieve, and it's also known, for example, the, mm. the lunar habitat, the mm. um, the Martian atmosphere, or mm. not atmosphere, uh, lack of atmosphere, mm. uh, etc. Well, uh, there is a validation issue. How, how are we certain that what we are modeling is mm. actually the, the reality? And that's a, that's a hot topic that, that is still under investigation yeah. in, in, in current RTHS yeah. world. Apart from that, I, I think... Uh, as we are doing, as you have mentioned, you are doing space habitat and all. Still, it's far away from right now, maybe 20, 30 years from here. What about uh, current digital twin? Right now, I hear this word a lot from GE, GE engines, which they have. They try to build a, a digital twin as well. What is the scenario of digital twinning in aircraft industry? Because I hear a lot from Airbus, Boeing, GE, all the big players associated with aerospace industry talks about this word a lot. So what is the thing going over there? Uh, well, in the aerospace industry and, and also in the automotive industry, which mm. is, is, is another example, um, they are already trying to use uh, digital twinning. They are evolving from what they used to call hardware in the loop testing. Hardware in the loop, okay. Yeah, uh, mm. they, they are taking that uh, um, a step beyond. Mm. For example, the, the, it comes to my mind, the uh, hardware in the loop testing of for, for 
driving cars, uh, what they used to do is test motors and install instead in instead of building the whole vehicle. Uh, to, if they just wanted to test the motor, then then they will physically have the motor and and simulate all the other behavior of the vehicle, like the uh, speed of the of the wheels and, mm-hmm. and the steer of the uh, of the steer, mm-hmm. uh, etc. And that's something similar in the case of the aerospace industry. They are trying to test uh, in a hardware in the in the loop fashion components before actually building them to mm-hmm. simulate their localized behavior, and it's very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, in use, well, this this is all in the design and, and construction phases. But mm. in in execution and or in use of the uh, of the actual systems, like in, in uh, imagine an airplane, an, air, an aircraft, or or, or, or a car, um, you can also have a representative digital twin of the aircraft flying. And you that is just a physics based model right, that uses a loss of physics to to represent model predict the mm-hmm. the behavior of the airplane during flight and you will have in the real in the physics physical twin a bunch of sensors that are feeding back what is happening so so your your digital twin becomes more accurate and that helps you to take make better decisions or to monitor the damage that can suffer the mm-hmm. the hardware during the during the flight things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yeah that's that's amazing I would say like. It's cost effective as well, and it gives insight. There are some things which can't be done. I think one of the application could be the things which can't be achieved, you know, on board, you know, using like you mentioned, space habitat, aircraft industries. They are operating in a very challenging environment. So testing maybe nuclear power plants, you know, yeah. where there is a challenging environment, you can build one cyber system and build those interactions. So I think these interactions between cyber and physical system is the main thing which you need, which everybody need to care of. So the question which comes to my mind is like whether you have to build two way interactions, for example, one way interaction could be like you are gathering the sensor data from physical system, for example, aircraft flying. Mm-hmm. and you are feeding that information via internet onto your computer and then you are representing those signals onto the computer system but are you feeding the information from computer s- system or cyber s- cyber system cyber model f- numerical model back to the real system so this interaction what do you think what is the role of both the interactions in this digital twin kind of scenarios I will say, like in general speaking, in mm. very broad sense, that mm. there are two ways of interaction. As you mm. said, mm. the information that is being sent from the physical system mm. to the numerical one, which is the data, the data acquisition, mm. sensors, um, uh, LVDTs for for displacement, thermocouples mm. for temperature, mm. things to measure pressure, things to measure acceleration, etc. Mm. All that flow of information goes from the physical part mm. to the numerical part. Yes. But we also have another flow or another possible flow of information, which is the actuation mm-hmm. or the actions that the, that the numerical can comment to the mm-hmm. physical world. Mm-hmm. So imagine that we are taking the information, let's take again the, ar- the aircraft example. Mm-hmm. We know that the aircraft is gathering um, some, I don't know, there is some friction, uh, excessive friction in the in the. Uh, in the wings of the of the or in a section of the mm. wings of the airplane, and we have thermocouples there that are saying, "Hey, the temperature is high, 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 high." I don't see an app for that. Ima- imagine, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> so, a cyberphysical system. <laughs> <laughs> good example. Yeah. Um, so we we gather that information, mm. uh, and if we had a digital twin of that, we will know that the, the information will be used to process uh, and be, will be used, processed, and 
fed into a model, a numerical model that will say, hey, if the temperature keeps rising, or if you don't drop the temperature, on, or if you don't change the um, the orientation of the of the wing, then you will have an excessive amount of, of temperature mm-hmm. gradient, and, and the stresses are going to, cre- to increase, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. So you send another flow of signals, which mm-hmm. is um, the, the actuation. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's f- let's rotate the, the wings the, a little bit this in this way okay. or let's send some, some intelligent agent that will dissipate the the, the, the temperature yes yes so we have to do those two paths first mm. the information we need we process it and mm. then the other path is what are the instructions we tell the physical system to do so so we avoid damage we avoid degradation of the system yeah that's amazing means like the work which you are mentioning about cyber part was previously taken care by an expert He'll be sitting here, he'll be seeing the, all the datas and then based on discussion with its group, what decision need to be taken. And then they you then you actuate those actuators on the physical system. That happens for Curiosity rover or all the rovers which are there on Mars. So they see how the rover is performing. Do you know what happens on the Curiosity rover when it was traveling through the Mars? So it is designed so well that it has exceeded its design life, but the the tires or would you can say the wheels got ruptures because they didn't think like while it is climbing the mountains of the mars so there are a lot of pebbles they designed so it is very like pointy they didn't thought about that or they may miss that so before the design life the wheels got ruptured so now they start moving the rover a bit more slower so this is like it's called of a i would say not digital twin but it's like a human twin like where human is sitting and it's taking care of those decision making now there will be a cyber environment or a numerical environment or some computer model which will be taking these kind of decisions so that human can come a little bit out of the loop i think that that's correct um mm-hmm. human humans are well we are amazing machines right yeah. humans ourselves but mm-hmm. uh, but we cannot process the the big big influxes of information as fast as a machine can. Yeah. So the idea is to transmit the human knowledge, the human expertise, mm. put it put it as you said beforehand in the numerical part, mm. so it can take decisions fast and when 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 it is needed. Actually, the first uh, I was looking at some information earlier today, mm. and it seems like the first digital twin in history, although it was not called a digital twin, was the numerical model that the Apollo mission had. Oh, Apollo mission, the Neil Armstrong mission. Okay. On the moon, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they had like an, a, a numerical model of the landing and, on, and of the uh, flight of the of the of the spaceship, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and they could control it from ground control could retrieve that data from there and use it to update the model continually. Oh, so, so I think they are the one who named. Who coined this word? I think digital twin. Or are they the one? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's available when the the term came. Uh, okay. It, some people say it was in 2002, and so now it's in in 2010. But it was mm. definitely in NASA, okay. in a NASA report, where okay. the, the term digital twin was born. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's necessary because some things you can't control via human. Human can control some things which is on Earth. But a rocket, a space habitat, where human involvement, and there are some things related to. I think in order to make this interactions possible, there are some requirements. I believe one is the speed of information should be faster than the physical motion of the physical system. For example, there is some turbulence coming, and there is a higher probability of an aircraft wing getting damaged. So the flow of information should be so fast. And the processing should be so fast, then you can 
give the information to the pilot or directly onto the aircraft so that it can take decision the decision time should not be that high because if it is that high that accident may occur i think the the role of information processing and communication channels plays a very important role that's true and mm. actually there is this important term which is real time that mm. you just mentioned we want the the information to be pro, uh, first gathered then mm. processed and then mm. the the information the common information sent mm. like in fractions of seconds super yeah. fast we yeah. we want it to to be to be easy. Uh, um uh it is the counterpart of human in intuitiveness right that mm. we we human tend to take decisions uh, based on intuition uh, we want to make that we want to optimize that process by mm. relying on a machine for doing that but yeah. it has to be fast yeah it has to be fast and it has to be accurate as well because human has years of training experience and which they have seen different scenarios of things failing and they have been the masters phd's in that field so a numerical model or a physical or a numerical model or something which is sitting in the computer you can so, uh, say an artificial agent mm-hmm. should be as accurate as human and should be as fast as human i believe yeah that's true and, and mm. the keyword probably is training because mm. it relates to yeah. to what one common approach for for building these numerical models which mm. is machine machine learning or mm. artificial intelligence yes. so that is our way to replicate the human expertise and the human experience of a lot of times of yeah. a lot of years uh, mm. we train them using well previously mm. taken decisions to to take the optimal uh, solutions for our problems yeah but right now if you see uh digital twin is a good word but it's not directly coming like right now if you see things are evolving if you understand uber's model so what happens in uber's model uber who designed the uh, who like cab services so what they do is like you select you open a app you select a cab cab directly you know the app directly talks to the driver's availability and there is like this driver will say yeah that it's he is available or not that information comes back to you and then you see the prices you select it or reject it so the only difference between this model and what we are talking about digital twin is like there is a physical thing available over here which we need to actuate right now it's the communication only between the cyber you know models or cyber information or computer models are talking to itself and it's giving information on two ends one is to the driver one is to us yeah. just just to remove these things instead of talking between different web services or whatever the things are they are actual physical system maybe a self driving automatic car like in the future if the uber is replaced by driver more by tesla electric vehicle which are autonomous in by themselves you can open the app okay you want to go somewhere you can see the nearest la- nearest app then the driver the automa- autonomous driver will come to you and you can sit on this and you can tell okay i need to go there and it automatically takes you there Yeah. Yeah, I I agree that there is an evolution of, of yeah. how these things are going. Uh actually this idea or this notion of interaction between the machines and the physical world mm-hmm. the, the computers and the physical world is not new. Yeah. It arises first in the in the forest maybe with uh this term cybernetics by mm-hmm. um Norbert Wiener and uh, mm-hmm. Arturo Rosenblut. Mm-hmm. Um and from there we start to move to to cyber physical testing cyber physical te- systems mm. now we have digital twins we are leveraging the data part yeah. of everything to to mm. create this concept of digital twin mm. but definitely we're moving forward um, yeah. in the future as you said the the 
the the collaboration or the or the interaction between between the the physical part and the numerical part and us will mm. be even stronger yeah yeah and the things could be much more autonomous and uh, one thing uh, which i was thinking of is uh, in terms of what other digital twins we can think of okay digital twins are very important you have a the things are leveraged all the digital twin things are leveraged because of like if you see 6g technologies there where you can download huge amount of information very fast so 6g is coming now the computer system the simulation speed increased abruptly like using nvidia and all these new chips mm-hmm. so things are is some people thinks okay it's not possible because the growth of technology is not linear means like if you have seen if you have seen internet in 1990s now you can see smartphones in just 2010 so like within 10 years nobody has think of that the growth of technology is very exponential these things are possible and there is a role of ar and vr also like we talk about uh, augmented reality and virtual reality you have seen this google glasses google lens which is ar devices where you can no need to look at the maps how it is going it will show in your eyes okay take right take left something like that that is also fascinating and it has roles like human machine and computer models these three kind of people can play their roles i think yeah yeah um, the human part is, is definitely still a thing yeah. um, we went hmm. we want to um, we want to integrate uh, computers and, and physical devices but we also want to take a uh, uh, hmm. uh, the interaction of the of the human and how human is going to interact with with all those things and it is already happening uh if you if you look at the uh, these famous watches that have like following your heart rate and, and, and measuring your mm. palpitations per second and how yeah. fast you are walking and if you have been sitting for a long time you mm. have to get up we already seen those interactions mm-hmm. uh and they will definitely become stronger as technology advances and, and we start to have these virtual reality glasses and 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 um other gadgets so mm. i am very enthusiastic about seeing those things yeah i thought i was going to see that when i was old but yeah as technology is advancing it seems that we are a couple of years away from from mm. this uh our ar mm. augmented reality or, B- or vr virtual reality scenarios yes, yes like metaverse and all metaverse is actually doing this vr thing where you'll be having hand gloves you'll be these are kind act as the actuators where for example if you are touching something right now in the computer model for example you build a computer model where you have a player we call it now the world is called avatar hmm. you have a your avatar if you pick up something in the computer model using joysticks and all you don't feel like you are picking up like how you pick in the real world now facebook is trying or meta is trying to build those gloves what whenever you pick up that signal comes from directly from your computer model directly onto the actuators on your fingers and it actuates it gives that sense to your finger like you are actually picking up and once you have grabbed that ball that information will go back to the computer system and you will be holding it so this transfer of information is very fantastic you know i'm fast like yeah. the, the thing we were we were mentioning um now th- there are certain gaps we have to to mm. beat before arriving there so yeah. we, we, before getting there Uh, one of them is well the the disponibility the availability of data hmm. um uh, right now in, in in the in the physical complex systems that we have hmm. let's say a bridge network or or special special habitat or uh, aircraft etc hmm. the sensor the sensors are limited um hmm. and they are noisy and they uh they have 
these moments in which they didn't work and, and we we have to overcome all, all these obstacles before these things come yeah. to our reality we have to have robust redundant systems that can deal with the lack of data or the interruption of data and, and keep working properly mm-hmm. and if we are trying to implement these things on the human beings mm-hmm. uh, we have to be very careful because we that the safety of the users is also a, a thing of concern yeah and uh, artificial intelligence will play a very important role because as the data is increasing it's very difficult to have your understanding imposed onto the data so some things can be trained via artificial intelligence where it will record how a human behaves so once it understand okay human takes this decision at on when it was feeded that data when you have huge amount of data if you label it correctly then you can train a machine learning algorithm and it will be taking its decision autonomous so i think artificial intelligence also plays a very important role over here what yeah. do you think yeah, yeah of course especially the latest developments on on uh, on artificial intelligence networks or or mm-hmm. com- um cnns yeah yeah for for mislabeled data yes uh, yes yes th- those things are are trendy now too and if you see right now chat gpt and all these things have already come because chat gpt is not nothing new in the artificial intelligence community people has already working on large language models from so long means like it's it's a old research area but chat gpt is like showing you what are the capabilities of real like you you, you can ask him and so for example if you got given a question i was walking through the street and somebody pointed out a gun at me and the reason that person who pointed out the gun at me he is saying i am into his property what are the laws in which i can sue this guy so chat gpt will give you exactly what a lawyer who demands like 100 dollars an hour for assist- assisting you in legal services that can be done directly by chat gpt well yeah exactly chat gpt is um beyond the interaction with the humans we are seeing a potential substitution of some human yeah. uh, functions yeah uh for instance research i mm. think that's an area that is going to be heavily replaced or not heavily replaced mm. but uh, heavily influenced by 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 chat gpt mm-hmm. it can be used to write proposals to yeah. summarize articles to summarize jo- uh, journal papers to yeah. jobs that we used to take for granted that were dependent on the humans mm. can now start to be transferred to Yeah. artificial intelligence now we'll know the real meaning of you know what you call it there are something called in hindi we call rattification rattification is a word which means like you have just taken the knowledge and you memorized it okay now the memorization thing ai can do better than you because yeah. it has a huge amount of memory the thing which your human are good at its innovation creativity reasoning cross questioning arguments i think every field or any expertise need to transformed in a way like it should be more reasoning based why how because a computer model necessarily artificial intelligence can't reason the things which it hasn't seen i'll give you a very fantastic example so sometime back i was like working on this chat gpt thing i i was searching something i was just finding out like how can i trick this so what i did was I told I asked ChatGPT a question. I asked a tree there are 100 birds sitting on it. Okay. I killed one of the bird with my gun. Okay. How many left on the tree? 
chat gpt said 99 but however it it is not 99 everybody it doesn't know the physical reality of the word they won't be any bird remaining on the tree because hearing the gunshot everybody every <laughs> so it it doesn't understand the physical reality it's just based on the data feed in the form of text which it understands so another question which i asked is i asked it uh, like i have a stone i throw up in the air with a velocity of uh, 12 kilometer per second how much time it will take to land back on ground so it used this newton laws of motion u equals to s equals to ut plus r phi t square and all this and it gave me a time how much time it will take to reach earth however the velocity 12 kilometers per second is more than the escape velocity so it won't mm. ever reach so it ad- also doesn't understand what question i'm asking okay it may have trained on what questions these are what question these are if you properly write a syntax you can easily trick it i i think uh, if, I mean I understand where you are going with with this that, that there are certain things that that artificial intelligence cannot understand yeah. because it doesn't reason yeah. but you can teach it to reason yeah yeah so uh, I don't know if it works with ChatGPT but I know it works with Bing AI AI yeah. uh you can teach it and you can say if, I will put a very simple example like uh if you ask uh, the the AI uh, what is 6 plus 5 they mm. will probably give you a, a wrong answer mm. um but if you tell him uh, or tell the, the machine hey what 5 plus 1 is 6 and mm. then you give a couple more of examples and you ask the new qu- the question again it will probably get get it right because it yeah. can learn yes yes and in a pattern way at least right mm. M- maybe it's not learning in math mm. because it's not a human and it cannot mm. make this abstraction process of, of symbols etc mm. but it is at least learning the patterns and mm. i don't think we are very far from from the point in which we start le- le- teaching the the mm. this arti- artificial intelligences mm. to to not to reason but to mimic in a more accurate way the mm. the human reasoning i think one of the factor which was was mentioning like how we started to chat gpt is like the role of ai in digital twins and how we can bring the autonom- real autonomous system in the picture because when the human removes from the scenario then the autonomous system keeps on working i think there is always a role of robotics in that because a artificial intelligence system which is sitting on a cyber environment which doesn't in- can't interact with the physical environment by itself it will be always be limited in terms of what you humans have because humans with its like we can touch something a computer model if it, he has question whether it is hot or not it can't interact with the environment so interaction plays a very important role in artifi- to build that agi kind of scenario okay which is like true uh, artificial general intelligence because a lot of people talks about like there is a role of physical thing like when we are talking about cyber cyber physical system this things hit my mind a cyber model which is so intelligent by in- itself in order to reason it needs a touch it needs to interact with the environment properly like for example something curiosity happens in our mind even how however trained we are we can touch something mm-hmm. we can you know play with it to learn more so that is more about like making your understanding much more i think it plays a very important role so this cyber physical this physicality should be there in a artificial intelligence and that people are building through like robotics 
uh, people are building here we are building digi- in digital doing there is a presence of physical system so that system will automate autonomously after some time trained by interacting with the system autonomously yeah but it it, uh, it will st- still be restricted of course by by the lack of curiosity which is innate to humans yeah, yeah. even if we develop a super advanced way for to 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 provide the machines or the mm. computers with a sensing uh, technology mm. or, or with a vis- visualization tools mm. or or even a smelling i don't know mm. uh, will they spontaneously start searching and looking around and wondering about around the world i i don't think so like the, the probably the, the most important part of the human touch there mm. is precisely the uh, the intuition the spontaneity the the imagination the curiosity mm. curiosity Hmm. So I can end this uh, this conversation by a note what drives us to curiosity like how evolution ta- teaches us evolution teaches us like we are just made for survival survival instinct made us made us curious actually if you track down the history of human evolution so what happened how human from monkeys came become human it's and how over some part of the prefrontal cor- cortex developed so much it's because of survival instinct there is a reason of survival so if we are curious about something so there is already a objective function above us because curiosity will make us much more intelligent whether those intelligence will help us to gain more power and power is, r- is related to some sort of reproduction getting a mate and which is necessary for survival so whether everything is related to survival as the objective function sitting on the top of us which is on which is the objective function sitting on every animal it behaves based on survival reproduction and some of the factor food everything is responsible survival if we put a robot if we put a artificial intelligence and put that survival algorithm over it it can lead to a disaster I I agree in which it will lead to a disaster. Yeah. Um but I I in which I don't agree which in which curiosity and spontaneity and these traits that you describe are based solely in in survival. Uh he, of course at the beginning of the history maybe the the material parts were the ones that shaped how humans the um interacted with their world in a curious way and for survival. But as society society evolves um we have we have a lot of other things it's it's a very complex system with a lot of social uh, factors accounting also cultural factors ideology factors etc uh, etc et so um still or keep this notion that that it's purely due to biology is is constraining a, a lot the uh the human potential mm. um um that's who i i think that's why it will be a disaster to to program that into a computer <laughs> yeah we can come come back to digital twins like i was hearing this news about uh digital twin for earth yeah yeah can you elaborate more on that we have heard somewhere of yeah. course n- now that we have set the ground for for what the digital twin is well mm. the applications are unlimited um mm-hmm. i I have limited myself to to work with engineering systems, uh, classical engineering systems like structures, buildings, uh special habitats, etc. Mm. But what what if the earth itself is a is a digital twin? Mm. Uh, you you mentioned Nvidia a uh, um, couple of minutes ago. Um I think this is these guys who are actually 
developing a, a digital twin of the earth to try to forecast how, uh, for example, uh, a hurricane will hit in a certain place and what what will be the development of, of the of the damages or of the degradation of or or of the affectation of certain populations. Uh, so if if you have unlimited power, imagine that for for one second that you have unlimited computational power and unlimited information coming from a lot of sensors, then you can actually build a digital replica of whatever you want, mm. the earth included. Mm. So weather is an, is an important thing, especially with the climate catastrophe that is going on in, right now in our, in our planet. Mm. So uh, creating these digital systems that allow us to take or to make better decisions where facing a natural disaster, they are fundamental for our survival, going back yeah. to survival. That's true, means like building a computer model, having, like definitely we'll be needing some sensors like measuring what is the temperature pressure and ocean currents, current state of ice at all the places and then putting them onto the computer so you can see in a computer the earth. Exactly, you can even predict where the hurricane can occur and how it will move from one coast to another, how much destruction it can do and how we you can put people to, like you can, you know, involve people and police authority to remove people from that area. So it is very important to have this prediction models where you can predict, like right now the sea level is rising, you know, due to the melting of glaciers. And a lot of people are talking about putting money in that direction so that we can move more towards sustainability. Like fossil fuels is one of the factors moving more towards electric vehicle. So yeah, it means like building these kind of model, having sensors information coming back onto the computer model plays a very important role. Yep. And what about the things which... Uh, always intrigues me is when you have a computer model which can take decisions, however there is always involvement of human beings. What is human intelligence as such? The increase in the research in artificial intelligence. Because you need in order to forecast anything in the future. It's good, for example, if you are collecting environmental data, everything from any possible oceans, any possible, you know, sea, any possible oceans and temperature, pressure from all around the earth, if you have sufficient amount of huge amount of data. If you want to predict something in future, you need a model. That model could be on artificial intelligence base. The question arises to me, then what is very peculiar about human intelligence? Is there anything peculiar about human intelligence? Because you counter-argued me related to the reasoning factor that if you can train a model, a computer model, in a particular way how human reasons, it, it means humans are not special. I think they are. When, when I said the, the example of the patterns, I, I mm. meant to, to say that, well, I was trying to demonstrate that the, um, an artificial intelligence can, can learn patterns but it cannot learn human intelligence or, or the human way of reasoning, at least. Um, if we won't try to solve that question for, like, I don't think the, the correct approach is us try to understand what is human intelligence and then try to transfer that to a machine because, well, that's a question that has been uh, asked for centuries now and mm. we haven't reached that, mm. the, the, the answer yet. So teaching the, the, the computer something we don't even understand will be a futile uh, attempt. But but I, I I do think that there is definitely something special about human intelligence. Mm. I cannot tell you what it is. Mm. Like, I, I, am, I am not a philosopher. <laughs> but... but um, is it consciousness? 
which is like uh, there people talk about hard con- consciousness soft consciousness and different kind of consciousness they talk about like uh, beyond human intelligence our intelligence is majorly driven from memory if there is something which is driven from memory it's very easy for a computer model to learn it is there any intelligence which is memoryless is it possible to have some intelligence which is not learned via memory then if there is something of that sort a real intelligence actually to cut short something over here why i intrigued by this idea because there was some us physicist from cornell or some princeton he was talking about something related to meditation he was reading some book of meditation where it talks about different levels of human intelligence one of the name of the human intelligence which is written in old indian text i am not saying i believe all these things but i am saying he critically mentioned there are different level of human intelligence which is written in meditation when you do meditation you achieve different level of human intelligence according to him mm-hmm. so he mentioned there is a thing called intelligence without memory that is in hindi or in sanskrit we call it chitta chitta means like those who teaches those who, those who are real good yogic teacher they know about these books where it con, yeah. con. <laughs> so the chit means you know if you translate it is called universal consciousness in some or other way so there is a environment you know involvement of consciousness somewhere around the line because there is always a factor of consciousness when people talks about artificial intelligence autonomous system or anything are uh, what is so special about us which robot can have they talk about this consciousness factor which human has so i think there is a role of some sort of consciousness in our which we don't you know understand some people considers consciousness as memory processing uh, processing so there is this debate in artificial intelligence community whether consciousness consciousness is like it feels like we have free will it feels like uh, we feel something mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like there is some our algorithm there is a back end algorithm running on our brain which is controlled if we are in a matrix it doesn't feel like that so there is this question whether consciousness is just memory processing or is something else so that is also a very interesting question it's an interesting question and i think mm-hmm. it's one that should be uh, tackled from several disciplines not only mm-hmm. uh, stem related ones but called psychology uh, yeah. philosophy sociology anthropology mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's an interesting one yeah so with this let's end this conversation